you're visiting with us today or you haven't been a part of us for the last couple of years, two years ago we started on a journey that we entitled Devoted. That we're going to be devoted to Christ, to, to His church, and to His mission. And we're still devoted to that. We're coming to the end of this two-year uh, initiative that we started. Uh, we've had a pandemic in the middle of it, but thanks to your generosity and thanks to uh, people still volunteering where they could, even when we were shut down for the best part of all of last year and other things, our church has continued to, to go forward to carry out the mission of Christ. And today I want to talk with you about why we are so devoted to Jesus. Uh, a number of years ago, I remember a, a woman came to see me and she said, well, I like your church just fine, but you keep talking about Jesus all the time. If you were kind of like talk about other things, I'm sure you could bring in all kinds of people that aren't coming in right now. And I said, so you want me to talk about something other than Jesus? And she said, well, that would be the suggestion. I go, you've come to the wrong shop. Okay, we're not going to do that. In fact, today I want to talk with you about this new building that we're excited about. We're moving into. It's just a facility. But it's going to be a megaphone to help us tell more people about Jesus Christ. We're never going to change that. In fact, hopefully, we'll step it up. Because we are so excited about what Jesus did for us. And today, I want to remind you what it means to be devoted to Christ. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline. If you're gathering with us online, we're glad you're along. Go to centeringlives.com and you'll find a... Uh, if you're going on, if you're watching us on YouTube or other things, you can download an outline there. And I just want to remind us of a couple of definitions before I have a word of prayer for us today. First of all, we're devoted, and devoted means this: it means to be somebody who is loyal and loving and committed and true. These definitions matter. Secondly, if I am devoted to Christ. Well, Christ is the word in the New Testament for the Old Testament word Messiah. It means an anointed one. And we're going to unpack what that means for you and me. There's lots of implications to that. But in our culture today, many times we don't even understand that. A lot of people think that Christ is Jesus' last name, that Jesus Christ was the son of Joseph Christ and Mary Christ, and they lived in that Christ house, which was some kind of stable where shepherds came every Christmas, okay? And that's not what the case was at all. Christ is a title. It's the title of a special anointed one. And it is certainly not a curse word. I hate to remind us of this, but you can hardly go to any movie that's not made for kids these days where the name of Christ is not used as a curse word. And now that I've, if you watch television, it used to be that that was bleeped on television. It's not anymore. And so we've grown very callous to this. But Christ is not a curse word. It's not Jesus' last name. It's a special title. How special? Well, let me remind you that Jesus' enemies, the very people who wanted him dead, who wanted him crucified, had a trial for him uh, all night long, the, ne the night before Good Friday. Early in the morning, they've got this packed room, and they're trying to find accusers who accuse him of something for which they can put him to death. And finally, they ask him, so tell us, are you the Christ or not? And Jesus said, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And later that day, after they had found him guilty of blasphemy and they'd asked for the Romans to crucify him, he's hanging on the cross between two thieves. And one of the thieves turns to Jesus and said, if you're the Christ, then come down off this cross and take us with you. And the other thief goes, what are you talking about? This man is the Christ. And he told Jesus, remember me in, in paradise. 
Today, when you go to heaven, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But both of them, they weren't theologians. They were criminals. But everybody had talked about the Christ. There was a Samaritan woman Jesus met at a well, a woman who'd been through all kinds of horrible things in her life, and she was talking about when she was discussing her relationship with God, with Jesus sitting there, she said, and he was explaining to her how to worship God in spirit and in truth. She said, well, one day the Messiah who's called the Christ is going to come. And Jesus said, I am the Christ. So it didn't matter who you talked to. Everybody in the society knew the Christ. And here's what that meant to them. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah had predicted that a special person from God would come. Listen to Isaiah 42.1. This isn't in your outline. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. This is 800 years before Jesus is crucified. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appoint, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And all throughout history then, those next 800 years, people are going, who is this who's going to come in the name of the Lord who will be anointed by God himself to do something no one else could ever do? And Jesus said, that's me. I am the Christ the one anointed by God himself, because Christ means anointed one. Now, there's a whole lot more to this. I'm going to unpack it for you this morning. But the reason I'm going to unpack it is because when we realize how good it is to know that Jesus is that anointed one and we can have a relationship with him, just prepare to be encouraged. I mean, you really need to get ready to be encouraged today. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Heavenly Father, as we unpack this today, Lord, every time I read over the scriptures that I, I'm going to remind us of today, I get encouraged. I get so excited I can't stand it. And Lord, I'm sure people can tell by even the volume that I'm talking right now that this is good news. This is better news than we came in the door ready to hear. And so, God, would you prepare our hearts right now? Would you open our minds to whatever you want to say to us through your word about the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we can know him and have a personal relationship with him. And God, through that relationship, you can transform every single part of our lives, every corner. Oh, God, make us aware of this today. Encourage us, empower us, and remind us of your good news. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I mentioned anointing. Let me remind you what anointing is. Anointing is placing olive oil on the head in the Old Testament of leaders. They did this to designate that person for a particular role, set him apart for service, and symbolize God's spirit being poured out on him. When a king was anointed, he was set apart, the next king, for that office. And it and when the oil flowed over the top of the person's head, it showed the Holy Spirit was all over his life. Now, it's important we understand this because this is what Jesus wants for every one of us to understand. He came to make it possible that all of us can have the Holy Spirit flowing all over us all the time through a right relationship with him. 
Now, this is amazing stuff, but this is what's all wrapped up in that title, the Christ. To give you a little background of this, three important leadership roles uh, in the Old Testament had people get anointed for them. The first were prophets. Prophets. Now, a prophet in the Old Testament was someone, a man or a woman, whom God spoke to mightily. And God would give them his word. Could be in a vision, could be in a dream, could speak out loud to them. But they would have a word from the Lord. And they would say, thus says the Lord. And so the prophets were people that were messengers to God's people and to God's leaders. And we'll talk about kings and the leaders in just a little bit. But they were God's messengers. And what was so important is if somebody was a legitimate prophet, that they would know the word of the Lord, a word that God had for his people. Sometimes it would be a word of encouragement. Keep going. Sometimes it would be a word of warning. Stay away from that. Sometimes it would be a rebuke. Like when King David had an affair with the wife of one of his soldiers and then sent that soldier to the front line so he would be sure to be killed in battle. And after he was killed in battle, then David took the woman, the man's wife, who'd become pregnant because of their affair. Then David took her into his house and had a public showing of how he was taking care of this poor soldier's widow. And it was just a big scam. But God saw the whole thing. And so a word of the Lord came to a man named Nathan, a prophet who walked right into the throne room. It'd be like walking right into the Oval Office in the middle of a meeting and saying, David, God saw everything you did. He knows you killed this man named Uriah, one of your soldiers. You had an affair with his wife to cover up the fact that she's pregnant with your baby. And God saw the whole thing, and you didn't get away with any of it. That would make the 6 o'clock news. <laughs> and those were the prophets. And God spoke through them. But Jesus, you'll find a little bit, is the ultimate prophet. But the prophets not only did that, they were also people who did mighty miracles and foretold the future. They would say, a year from now, or five years from now, or coming soon, this is what's going to happen. And he'd tell people, don't make an alliance with these people. Trust in me. Hang on. Here's what's coming. And sometimes the people listened, and sometimes they didn't. But those were the prophets who were anointed. In fact, 1 Chronicles 16, 22, it says, don't touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Secondly, there were priests. Now, the priests were the sons of Aaron, Moses' brother. When God set up the whole sacrificial system and they set up a portable temple, the tabernacle, and God showed them how to sacrifice animals to atone for their sins. God was showing his people how serious sin is. And there were people who administered all these sacrifices. And they were the ones who offered prayers on behalf of the people morning and evening. And they went through their sacrifices over and over again because the people kept sinning. It says in Exodus 40, verse 15, With their anointing, Aaron's descendants are set apart for the priesthood forever from generation to generation. There was even a special recipe given for making special anointing oil, things to add to the olive oil when the priests were anointed. It had a fragrant aroma. And the Lord said, don't use this for anyone else, just for my priests, so that when they're anointed with this, they're a fragrant aroma when they walk into my presence. I am the Lord. And so these were the mediators. A mediator is somebody who can be the go-between, between sinful people and holy God. And the priests, after they offered sacrifices for themselves and followed God's directions, they could walk into God's presence 
and offer prayers on behalf of the people and sacrifices on behalf of the people. And so they were anointed for this special task. You'll see in a minute, Jesus is the ultimate priest. Thirdly, in the Old Testament, kings were anointed. These were God's chosen leaders, the people who would protect his people and give them victory in battle. This is how David uh, was anointed, according to 1 Samuel 16. The prophet Samuel went to David's dad's house, and David's dad called all the sons. He asked him to bring all the sons. And David, the Lord showed Samuel that David was the one to anoint. So as David stood there among his brothers, the prophet Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And so as the oil flowed over him and demonstrated how the Holy Spirit was going to empower him, and he became a mighty leader, a valiant warrior, it was David who killed Goliath, the blasphemous giant that everybody else was afraid to, to, to even go to battle with. And he became a mighty king through the power of the Spirit. So then when I read to you those prophecies from Isaiah, everybody was speculating, well, what kind of person would the Messiah be the anointed one? Well, if you flip your page over here, there's three reasons given in the New Testament, or there's many reasons, but there's three that are clear here today why Jesus is the anointed one, because he's all three of those things in one. He's the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. And I want to share that with you today because this, every one of those has implications for you and for me. First of all, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. When Jesus speaks, we can be confident that he speaks the word of God. I mean, there were legitimate prophets in the Old Testament and false prophets. And we can be confident that Jesus is legitimate and he speaks the true word of God because he is the word of God. So the word became human and made his home among us. That's John 1.14. It's not that Jesus received a word from God like the Old Testament prophets. He was God in the flesh. And so every word he spoke was directly from God. This wasn't somebody talking about God or what God had said to him. This was God speaking directly to us. And it blew the disciples' minds. And they said, this is why we want you to know Jesus. We met him. We heard him. We talked to him out loud. This is God speaking directly to us. You've got to hear this. And so when Jesus told people about God's love and he told them how to have a right relationship with him, people were blown away. The Bible tells us that he would speak somewhere and people go, we've never heard anyone talk like this in our lives. This isn't someone talking about God. This is someone who knows God personally. He talks with real authority. And that's because he is God. And so when we have a relationship with God, we can know that God will speak to us and guide us. If that's good news today, would you say amen? Secondly, Jesus knows the future because he is the eternal one. The prophets would be given a glimpse of the future or a dream about the future, but they didn't know the future. They only knew what God had revealed to them. Well, Jesus wasn't depending on a dream or a, a revelation like that. Jesus knows the future because he is the eternal one. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Revelation 22. This is Jesus we can have a relationship with him, and that gives us so much encouragement because then we don't need to be afraid of the future. He's already there. 
When you and I stand at a Macy's Day parade, we can watch the floats go by in New York City and a band go by and then an entertainer go by and whatever else comes next. But we see all the floats and the entertainers and the bands one at a time. But Jesus is on top of one of the skyscrapers there and he sees the whole parade from beginning to end at the same time. He sees all of history at the same time. And so he knows how to guide us. Think how wonderful this is. The ultimate prophet not only knows what we need and can tell us, he knows where everything's going because he's already there. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Thirdly, Jesus is the ultimate prophet because he performs amazing miracles. He's the all-powerful one. The Old Testament prophets would do miracles. Elijah and Elisha, stories of how God's spirit moved in them and they were actually able to raise people from the dead. And some of the other prophets were able to do miraculous things as well. But Jesus did more miracles than all of them put together because he's the all-powerful one. When John the Baptist was in prison, he sent some of his disciples to talk to Jesus about this because he knew that Jesus was the great king and he thought a Messiah would meant a military conqueror who would kick the Romans out, who were ruling over Judea and Jerusalem at the time. And, and he thought... That's what it was all about, but Jesus wasn't doing that because Jesus came to conquer sin and death and the devil. And so John sent some people to him and said, hey, what's going on here? Matthew 11, John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep on looking for someone else? And Jesus told them, go back and tell John Go what you've heard and seen, that the blind see, the lame walk, that those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Tell them that. And they did. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. The life application for you and me, because Jesus is the ultimate prophet, we can count on God to speak to us, guide us into the future, and do miracles in our lives. There are addictions that can be overcome in our lives through the power of Jesus. We can completely change from being people who are filled with fear and stress and worry to be people who are filled with love and joy and peace. We can com be completely different. We can forgive people we would never forgive on our own. This is a better message than you're hearing. <laughs> okay, This is really good stuff. And one of the reasons we worship Jesus as the Christ is because he's the ultimate prophet. Listen to what Peter had to say about this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, Jesus, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So we worship the Christ and we're devoted, committed, loyal, and true to the Christ because the Christ is the ultimate prophet. We're also devoted to Jesus for another reason, as the Christ, because Jesus is the ultimate priest. He's not only the ultimate prophet, he's the ultimate priest. The priests were the mediators. Well, listen to this. Jesus is the only mediator who can reconcile sinful people and holy God forever. He's the only one. Paul wrote to Timothy about this, and he said there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, and he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. One mediator. His name is Jesus. Jesus isn't just a good prophet. He's also the ultimate priest. 
The writer of Hebrews also tells us that Jesus is our high priest and the permanent sacrifice for our sins. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And I wish I would have put the rest of the verse on there. I uh, had a little more room. I was afraid it wouldn't all fit in with all these scriptures I'm using. But the rest of that verse in Hebrews 10, 12 says, after he offered that permanent sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. And I want you to know something. that With all the instructions in the Old Testament about the furniture in the temple, the altar and the tables and the candle stands and all these things. There was one piece of furniture that was never described in the Old Testament temple, and it was a chair. There were no chairs because the priest's work was never done. As soon as they'd finish a sacrifice, they'd start another one. It's like being the mom of three children at home. You're never done cooking, okay? It's always good. They're always hungry for something else. Well, this was the thing where there's always more sin coming. And so the priest could never sit down because they had to always keep offering more sacrifices. All day long, they stood. But when Jesus, our high priest, came in, he paid the penalty once for all time, and he sat down. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Now listen to what the scripture talks about on that. This is the next reference. This is the life application. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same testings we do, yet he never sinned. That's why he could be that permanent sacrifice. So let us come boldly, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus not only was the perfect mediator, who could pray for us and intercede for us. He was also the priest who could offer the permanent sacrifice himself. And because he did that, and he understands us completely, because he was born in human flesh but never sinned, so he was the only sacrifice who could truly die in our place, we can now come boldly into God's presence anytime we want. He opened the curtain wide open. In the Old Testament times, the priests were the only ones who could even enter parts of the temple courtyard. And the high priest could go in the holy place. Only the high priest could go in and only once a year. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, that curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple was torn in half from the top down. Jesus said, it's finished. Everyone can come to me. I can come boldly now to God, no matter who I am, no matter what I've done, and say, God, I need your help. I thank you that you forgave me. I thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for all my sins on the cross. And God, I'm worried about my finances. God, I'm worried about my kids. God, I'm worried about the future. God, I need your help with my job. God, I need you. And God says, come on in. To all who've been covered in the blood of Jesus. Now, this is amazing. And so... We're devoted to telling people about the Christ because we are sure he brings us the word of God. We are sure he knows the future. He's the eternal one. We are sure that he has paid the penalty in full, and that allows us to have access to him 24-7 anytime we need. And there's more. Jesus is not only that great prophet. He is not only the ultimate high priest. Jesus is the ultimate king. Now, the kings were God's chosen leaders. Well, Jesus is God's chosen leader of all leaders to sovereignly rule over all mankind. 
In Revelation 19, John, one of Jesus' disciples, was given a glimpse of the end times, and here's what he saw. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there, and its rider was named Faithful and True, speaking of Jesus. And on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Could we read that title out loud together, please? King of all kings and Lord of all lords. One more time. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. This is significant because then when we are worried about world events and we are worried about what's going on in our country and in other countries around the world, has anybody ever thought about something? Yeah, you, you have, okay? When we are afraid and we are worried, we can bring our requests to Jesus and we know that he knows what's going on because he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords and he will guide things to his ends. And we can trust that he's going to use all things for his glory and for his good. He is also the protector of our souls. And he has conquered sin and Satan and death. John the Baptist was looking for a military leader. Well, Jesus didn't come to conquer Rome. He came to conquer the devil. In John 12, he says this, The time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And Jesus was the one who cast him out. Hmm. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Paul writes about this. O death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been rightly said that when the devil tempts us that we are worthless and frail, well, compared to him, we aren't as strong. But he is no match for Jesus. The devil is the prince of darkness. Jesus is the king of kings. They are not counterparts. There will be a day when the devil is bound and pitched head first into the lake of fire forever, and it's not that far away. And the Bible tells us that the devil knows this, and that's why he's trying to cause as much trouble as he can. But we are children of the king. We've been adopted into God's family. We've been, our sins have been washed away. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's empowered us to live for him. And now we want to tell the whole world about Christ. So why am I reminding us again? Because when we have put this building together, we're not putting a building together just so we have a building. This building is a big megaphone. This building is a big platform so that all week long, God can show us ways to use it to tell people the good news about Christ. That we can tell people the good news and we're confident of it because Jesus knows what he's talking about. He doesn't just know the word of God. He is the word of God. And we're confident that people can come no matter who they are and have their sins forgiven through a personal relationship with Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate high priest. He not only offered the right sacrifice, he offered himself and it's paid once and for all. And we can trust that Jesus is going to lead us safely in the future, and we're going to proclaim that every chance we can. He knows the future because he knows the future as well as the past, as well as the present, because he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And there's one more point on your outline. Well, i got to remind us of this application then. If all that's true, because Jesus is the ultimate king, then we can live victoriously. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
We need to read that verse out loud because some of you came here today and this last week has not been a great week and you would never have thought about yourself as a conqueror. And maybe you came here today because God needed to remind you that through a relationship with Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. And so I want us to say, I am instead of we are. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Can we say that out loud together, please? I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. One more time. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. This is true. Now look, you and I have to decide, each one of us, the whole idea of devoted was, I have to decide whether or not I'm devoted to that. Listen to what Jesus asked his disciples one day as they were traveling along. Jesus asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Or who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. By that time, John the Baptist had been executed, and some people said Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say Elijah, an Old Testament prophet. Others say Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, the ultimate king, you're the Son of God. Now, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And I want to remind us that we love him because he first loved us. He died on that cross while we were still sinners. He went first. But I need to respond. So do you. It's important that we each do this. So I'm going to have a word of prayer for us right now. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up here. I'm going to have a word of prayer for us. And if you have never made a personal decision to surrender your life to Jesus as the Christ, this would be the time to do it. But I want to remind us what this means. If I say, Jesus, you're the ultimate prophet, that means that every time I come to him, he'll speak to me because he wants to guide me. He has a plan for my life. If I believe and I surrender to him as the ultimate priest, then I'm acknowledging he died on the cross for all my sins. I don't have to ever be afraid of coming to him ever again. I can go in there and just be completely honest every time I've blown it and say, God, oh, I thank you for giving me my sins. Lord, you know what I've done. Would you please fill me with your spirit and restore me? I don't have to hide from him anymore. And thirdly, if he's the ultimate king, I don't need to be afraid anymore. Or worry. I can pray. I can boldly go into the presence of God anytime I want. And so the question is, if Jesus is my Messiah, if he is the Christ, then why am I worrying? And why am I hiding? And why am I not spending more time reading God's word and finding out what he wants from me? Today, you say, Lord, I want, I want that, well, then this is your chance to surrender your heart to Christ right now. For the rest of us who've done this before, I have another word for us after that. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, right now, I pray for anyone in the sound of my voice online or in this room, Lord, who says, I am tired of running my own life. I need Jesus. I need a relationship with the anointed one. I want your word in my life. I want you to guide me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. There's so many. I'm tired of hiding from you. And I want you to guide me, Father. 
I want you to be my king. I've run my life into the ground and I need a new direction. I need you. You're my savior. You're my Lord. And I'm coming to you. I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sins on the cross and I surrender my life to him today, right now. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God who came into this world to save us. And God, I pray that with every breath, with every stick and stone we put together in that new building, with every square inch of that property, we will make Jesus known. God, oh God, I pray this. Hear our prayers now. In the wonderful name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Now look, if you made a decision today, if you prayed along with me and said, I want to surrender my life to Christ, on that commitment card, there's a place to check. I want to talk to someone about a relationship with Christ. You need to check that card. You need to put your name and your phone number on there. And you'll even have a chance to come pray with someone right now as the worship team leads us. We're going to sing a couple of verses of a song here.